630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers one timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker. Touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Been a bit of a wacky weather afternoon here in the Edmonton region. Now, we think the worst of it has passed, but uh, still could be some storm activity in the area, of course. You are our eyes and ears out there, so if you're getting some severe weather in your area, don't hesitate to let us know so we can pass it on to people who might be in the path of it. You can text 630-630. You can call our newsroom directory, 780-466-6397. That's 780-466-NEWS. Obviously, uh, we had some hail, really heavy rain, I guess a little over an hour ago uh, here on the south side around the 630 Jet Broadcasting Compound. So again, uh, we'll keep you posted, of course, uh, uh, to Thomas We'll have the news and weather updates every half hour. I'll jump in if anything else crazy is happening. And again, we rely on you to help us out as well. If you get in touch, uh, get in touch with us if you see anything out of the ordinary. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend planned. It is 6.08. By the way, speaking of the weather, because of uh, all the rain tonight, Taste of Edmonton has shut down for the evening. Taste of Edmonton has shut down for the evening. If you were planning on going to that, now I, I, I know in their Twitter account I saw people asking, "Well, it's supposed to clear up a little bit later. Will you will you open later?" And uh, the latest I saw on that was Taste of Edmonton saying, "No, we're done for the night uh, because of the weather conditions." So they reopen at 11 in the morning. It's on uh, Capitol Square on 108th Street this year, just south of Jasper Avenue. So no Taste of Edmonton tonight. The Edmonton Eskimos will play in Montreal on Thursday. We'll have it for you on 6:30, Chet. Four o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 5.30. The Eskimos have announced that the carryover 50-50 jackpot of $71,480 will take effect August 2nd, their next home game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So that should be a huge 50-50 jackpot. The Riders game one of or the best attended game of the season on most occasions and the extra draw of a little added money to the 50-50 draw. The uh, last game, money was unclaimed, which I always find surprising. Perhaps there is some sort of alcohol consumption involved for people who don't hang on to their ticket because you can check it after the game on the Eskimos website. You no longer have to be at the game to claim it. Well, weather might have been a factor too. People might have just got tired of sitting out in the rain. But you and can. Left. But I'm saying you can check the you, the. you can keep oh, your ticket online and after, check yeah. it online. You don't have to claim it at the game anymore. Uh, so I'm saying perhaps the ticket is lost, or or maybe the ticket was just soggy and no one could read it. Good point. Anyway, no one claimed the 50-50 for the Argos game. That was last Friday. So 
Thursday, August 2nd. The jackpot will start at just under $72,000. The Eskimos will have an additional 36 ticket sellers on game day, a total of 100 around the concourse. Remember uh, last July, Quentin and Samantha Eberts won a then-record-setting jackpot of $435,000. Actually, it was closer to $436,000. So maybe... Maybe we'll get up towards that half-million mark for this one against the Riders. That's pretty cool. The Eskimos note today, you may have heard me talking about with Jalen and Andrew, the uh, Eskimos have closed the negotiation window with Terrell Owens. He will not be getting a contract offer, which surprises me not at all. Surprises me not at all. But anyway, another little thing to follow there. All right. Uh, severe rain, poor visibility on Highway 2 south near Nisku. That's a text that just came in to 630-630. And, uh, yeah, a reminder that th- this is going to be visibility limited in some areas because of the rain. So so take it easy. Make sure you got your lights on and all that stuff if you're out driving tonight. The Edmonton Prospects have a 7 o'clock game against the Regina Red Sox. They uh, are hoping to start it at 7. We'll see. It may be delayed. Currently going on at Remax Field is that uh, hot stove uh, the hot stove talk with John Short hosting. You got Mel Kowalczyk there. You got Al Coates there. And you got Ron Kittle in town, one of the all-time greats for the Edmonton Trappers back in the PCL days when uh, we had AAA baseball here in Edmonton. We had an awesome conversation with Ron Kittle on the show on Wednesday. You can get that by going to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. You can also sign up for the podcast on iTunes, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. little snippet of that interview. I asked Ron Kittle, Who's the best player you ever played with? Who's the best you ever played against? I would say, this is a two-part question. Ricky Henderson probably has the most talent that I've ever played with anybody. Uh, Unfortunately, he probably should have been an MVP in the league about five or six times. But Ricky was so talented, he just did good enough to get by, and it got him into the Hall of Fame. So that's how good that guy is. you know, Don Madden, I, you know, I look at the hitters. Uh, you know, I've faced a lot of Hall of Famers. I've, I've played against a lot of Hall of Famers. I, I just like the guys who played hard and gave it everything they could and became a battle. So somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. But those are my things. George Brett, you know, Tom Seaver uh, was a teammate of mine when he won his 300th game. I, I just like the guys who are gamers. Uh, that's what I consider myself. Uh, a hurt, injured, old-time injured gamer. <laughs> <laughs> that is Ron Kittle. was fun to have him on the show on Wednesday. And, and why was he so hurt? Well, he suffered a really bad neck injury, and, and he told a great story about working in uh, in ironwork as a teenager and then having his baseball career almost ended and certainly interrupted by a neck injury. In high school, I was ironworking with my dad for American Bridge and uh, making pretty good money. Uh, I went to a tryout camp uh, for the Dodgers. I did very good. They signed me to a contract, and uh, I go to spring training in 1977. You know, I had a good spring, but it went in Iowa. In the Midwest, make my first at bat, I hit a double. The next uh, pitch, Mike Sochi hit the blue single. I scored, the catcher lands on me and breaks my neck and paralyzes me at home plate. So that's my first game, first at bat. Uh, it did get a little bit better towards the middle of that season, so I got my first taste of Canadian baseball up in Lethbridge. And I went up there and played for the Lethbridge Dodgers. We won a championship, and, uh, you know, and I was virtually done after that year because 
I couldn't move. Everything was hurting on me. But I didn't know my neck was broken until the season ended. And uh, they checked it out. And they said, you got three close vertebrae and a cracked spinal cord. So my goal was done. They put screws and a halo on my head. And uh, I just sat at home. Yeah, so uh, Ron Kittle eventually bounced back, played for the Edmonton Trappers, and eventually made his big, la- big league debut at the age of 25. And, of course, 1982 Pacific Coast League MVP with the Trappers, hit 50 homers, goes up to the White Sox, hits 35 homers in 83, and wins AL Rookie of the Year. Pretty cool story. Great he's in Edmonton tonight, and that was uh, awesome to get to interview him on Wednesday right here on Inside Sports. CFL tonight, it is Ottawa leading BC 6-0. They're about two and a half minutes into the second quarter. The Open Championship, it is Zach Johnson and Kevin Kistner now tied for the lead. They are both at six under par. Tiger Woods, once again, another even par route. He is tied for 29th. He says he was able to clean up his round after a bit of a poor start. I got off to not exactly the, the best start, you know, being two over through three, uh, but got it back. And, you know, the, the golf course was a little bit softer today. Obviously, it, it, it rained, and uh, we were able to get the ball down a little bit further. All right, so that is Tiger Woods. Uh, notable Rory McIlroy, four under. He's two off the lead. Tony Finau, remember Tony Finau? He was the one who uh, had the dislocated ankle at the Masters celebrating a hole-in-one in the par-3 contest. He's also two shots off the lead, four under par. Jordan Spieth, three off the lead. And I mentioned Tiger Woods, six off the lead going into the weekend. It is 6-16. We have a lot to get to tonight. Uh, we're going to go to Regina, check in with our old buddy Jamie Nye. Another uh, another win for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They sweep that home-and-home with Hamilton. I don't know if a lot of people predicted that. And it's an exciting weekend in Grand Prairie. The Alberta Summer Games are underway. We'll get an update when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is uh, 619. Kirk texting into the show. He says, uh, hey, Reed, first date with my wife in months, northern chicken. How good is that chicken? Well, Kirk, it's very good. And maybe I'll get a little pork as well. Another texter says, you know, Reed, all this hoopla in the CFL isn't helping anything. These concert nights, live mics games aren't drawing attendance to the games. Uh, Just use the money and put a better product on the field to attract fans. Uh, Well, I'm not a fan of the live mics. I I think the concerts work for some people. Uh, Now, I'm I'm the wrong person to talk about this because I I just, I, I go to watch the game. Now, I go to some games as a media guy, so it's a, a different experience. So I, 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 sometimes I feel like I, it's not appropriate for me to comment on the fan experience if I'm not going to a game as a fan. But I've never been one for the uh, giveaways or the contests or even halftime shows. I go to watch the game, so anything else that goes on is just ex- like extremely secondary to me. Uh, I don't know if... I, 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 do, I guess to, to that texture, I would say I don't understand the... Uh, can oh this texture just texted back? 
I'll retract that statement. The product on the field is not bad. It's the product officiating the game that is bad. As far as concerts go, I listened to that one last night during the Hamilton-Saskatchewan game. It was horrible. Okay, I, well, I saw that. I'm not even sure who it was. Uh, I, some band, I, but I haven't heard of 95% of the bands in the world. Officiating in the CFL remains a challenge, and I'm sure it'll always be a challenge. Anyway, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that Saskatchewan-Hamilton game with Jamie Nye coming up after the 6.30 news. Right now, we'll go up to Grand Prairie. The Alberta Summer Games are underway. Raphael Bowman is the media coordinator for the games, and Lionel Robbins is the chairman of the games. Lionel, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing great. And Raphael, great to have you on the show, too. How are things? Things are great. Thank you. Great to have you guys on the show. I know it's an incredibly busy weekend for you both here with all, all the uh, lead-up to the summer games, and now it's finally off and running. Lionel, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, take me through your personal experience, too, of, of, of getting involved as the chair of the games and, and probably a lot of work over the last two years or so. What's it like uh, now it's finally here? <laughs> well, it's definitely a relief to have it here. It's been a lot of work for two years. I, I think if they told me how many hours of work it was two years ago, I might not have taken the job. I'm certainly happy I did <laughs> Take me through the opening ceremonies last night, Lionel. Well, uh, we all got wet. That was the start. <laughs> and uh, uh, but it was a fantastic ceremonies. We had uh, we had dancers and fireworks, and uh, we did a little uh, Woodstock style electric guitar doing the national anthem. We had some great uh, speakers and some good entertainment, and we tried to make it as jazzy and special as these kids deserve. Lionel, what? Tell me about the facilities there at Grand Prairie that are being used for this. And and was this something where you had to build or upgrade uh, existing facilities, or did you kind of have everything already good to go there? Well, it's, yeah, no. I mean, we had to uh, we had to put some effort into some existing facilities. We didn't build any brand new ones, but we definitely had to do some serious upgrades to quite a few. We uh, uh, rebuilt and upgraded the beach volleyball courts. We put some money into some uh, fields that need to be updated. We did build a, uh, we were in the middle of a project that was going to put a $4 million grandstand on our artificial turf football field. So we took the opportunity to get that done before the games. It was something we wanted to get finished eventually anyways. So, uh, yeah, we put some serious uh, facility upgrades in play for sure. All right. Uh, Raphael, obviously, you know, this is a special event for, for kids to be a part of. And obviously, hey, everybody loves to win and do the best they can. But just from an experience aspect of the athletes, what are the kind of things um, you, you wanted to focus on here where 10, 20, 30 years from now they're going to say, yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. I was in Grand Prairie that weekend in 2018. Right. So we we think that for most athletes, this is the highest level of competition they're ever going to reach. So for them, this is like their Olympics. And we want it to be as much like an Olympic experience for them at their level as it is for an Olympic athlete at theirs. Well, that, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, for sure. So remind me here, what, what do we got for the age range of the kids and how many sports do we have going on, Raphael? Sure. So the age range is 11 to 17, and we're representing 13 sports this time around. Okay. So uh, 13 sports and kids from around the province. Now, when you're talking about making them feel like <laughs> like Olympians, give, give me a sense of something you know specific that uh, they might be able to experience that will give them that special feeling. Right. So I, I guess it starts from the time they get on that bus. Some of them traveled midnight the night before to get here for a noon registration they traveled long distances they're getting together with people that 
a lot of them have never met before. They're together in close quarters on a bus. Then they get to dorm together at the schools. They're always together. Then they break off into their sports, and they're with other athletes competing within their zones they've never met. And then they're sharing experiences with competitors from other zones they've never met. And then when they're not uh, competing in their own sport, they're going off and supporting the other team athletes at their sports. And a funny story, I interviewed a bunch of boys on a lacrosse team, and I said, you know, when you're not watching lacrosse, where's the first sport that you're going to want and support the other athletes? And they all jumped up and went, beach volleyball. <laughs> and, and hopefully the girls are playing. <laughs> oh, jeez. So it just goes to show you that these kids aren't any different than we were when we were young. That's great. Well, that, that's uh, that's an awesome story. And obviously, a, a lot of energy going in there. Lionel, uh, tell me about the, the community involvement here. I mean, I assume you got, uh, I don't know what percentage of Grand Prairie would be involved in some capacity, either volunteering or helping, but uh, give me give me a sense of the community involvement and, and how, uh, how hosting an event like this um, sort of brings out the best in a community. Yeah, well, we're a, we're a picture image of that. I mean, we've got over 1,500 directly registered volunteers, but that probably doesn't even scratch the surface of another 1,500 or 2,000 people that are indirectly helping or related to the games. So, you know, that's that's a pretty good percentage of our uh, small city. Uh, but on top of that, uh, this these games are actually co-hosted by the city of Grand Prairie and the county of Grand Prairie, who, you know, sometimes are a bit competitive with each other on land and and uh, and uh, businesses and stuff like that and uh, you talk about bringing the community together you know we've never seen the county of grand prairie and the city of grand prairie uh, you know hugging and handshaking and just being so happy to be doing this together it's it's been a it's been a genuinely uh, feel good experience for for the municipalities and it shows cuz they got right behind us i mean when we got a little behind on updating fields because of weather and this and that they literally put their armies into overdrive and said here's trucks here's bodies here's equipment whatever you need we're here for you and uh, the support was incredible like it was it literally was like we were preparing for an olympic game i can say that because i spent uh, three nights till midnight on a football field painting lines and everything myself so everybody chipped in yeah well that's uh, that's right well and you got the a uh, little bit of extra daylight up there to keep working right and painting those lines so, so that's okay when I, when I say midnight we still had time for nine holes afterwards yeah. so. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, Raphael, when you look at what this, uh, I mean, you mentioned the athlete experience. What what do you hope the effect is uh, of the games and having hosted here moving forward? Well, I think that these kids are going to take this memory and and it's going to live with them for a long time. We have a local business owner that happens to be a friend of mine. He's been to three of these games, and he says that some of the athletes he met at these games were actually standing up for him in his wedding. So there's proof of the history of some of the power of these athletes and the relationships they make and the friendships they make, and it lasts for a long, long time. We know that, and we just want to promote that to these kids so they can have those memories and those relationships ongoing for them. Well, guys, again, thanks for making time for me because I, I know you're so busy with everything going on here uh, th- throughout the weekend. Just let people know, first of all, if they're in the area, uh, you know, and they want to go check something out or if people want to follow online, I, I think it's 2018ASG.ca. That will give people a lot of information there. That's the best place to go for sure. And then, and then follow us on Facebook, the same initials too. Lionel, Raphael, thanks for making time for me on Inside Sports. I hope it's an awesome weekend. Thank you so much. 
Absolutely. Thanks very much. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, saw some Eskimos working out at the Commonwealth Rec Center today. They will be back at practice tomorrow. They will play the Montreal Alouettes on Thursday. We'll have it for you here on 630 Chet. Four o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 5.30. BC leading Ottawa 7-6 with five minutes left in the second quarter. Got a text to 6.30-6.30 from Barry who said, hey, Reed, how does Travis Lule back at quarterback change the complexion of the West Division in the CFL? Uh, well, I think it changes it a fair bit. I don't know if I'm ready to say a lot because I don't think the, the Lions have a great roster to begin with. But Lule uh, has always been a good quarterback. He has not been, I, I think he's always been a great quarterback, quite frankly. He has not been healthy the last few years. Jonathan Jennings uh, doesn't appear like he's uh, going to be a long-term starter in, in the CFL anymore. And uh, Lule obviously pulled off that spectacular comeback on Saturday. The Lions came from behind to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, yeah, I think Lule makes BC much more dangerous. Uh, but are they as deep as Calgary? Are they as uh, deep as Edmonton? especially on offense. I don't think so. But Lule, the type of guy who can keep plays alive, has experience. Man, he just slipped really badly throwing a ball on that play. Uh, but we'll keep an update on that one as we move along. That's the game tonight. Tomorrow, Winnipeg is at Toronto, and Montreal plays at Calgary. My name is Reed Wilkins. Uh, Terrell Owens dropped from the Eskimos negotiation list. I don't think that's a big surprise there. Zach Johnson, Kevin Kistner tied for the lead at the British Open. Both six under. Tiger Woods is tied for 29th. He is at even par. 7-6, BC leading Ottawa in that one tonight. Okay, well, we've had to call an audible. Which is fine. Sometimes that happens. Our, our old buddy, uh, our old buddy, an alumnus of the 6:30 Chad Sports Department, Jamie Nye, was going to join us. He's uh, got a bit of a situation he has to deal with, so we are bringing in his colleague from CJME Radio in Regina. She covers the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, like every media person does uh, in Saskatchewan. <laughs> Ariel Zur is on the line. Ariel, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. How many years uh, is this for you on the Riders beat? This is my third season on the Rough Riders seat, so right. I've been there as long as Chris Jones has been there. Well, he didn't bring he, he didn't bring you from Edmonton, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> I'm born and raised Regina, Saskatchewan. He, he he brought everybody else with him from Edmonton. <laughs> it seems okay. Well, I was I was going to ask you that. So, as a Regina native, you knew what you were getting into covering the team then. Absolutely, and you know, it's actually kind of one of the things I love about covering the team is is that everyone here is so invested. You get to be a part of something that people are here are so passionate about and, and get to talk about all and want to talk about all the time. So it's really cool to be a part of, of something that is always at the front of mind in Saskatchewan. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's year-round coverage there. We have a show called Oilers Now on this station. And uh, I still talk a lot of Oilers on this show uh, in the summer. And we've been talking Eskimos this week, uh, even though they're on the bye week with the Owens news, which I, I still hesitate to call news, but it's, Weird. It's, it's it's petered out now. So I didn't really see anything. Who, who, who knows? I, I still have this theory, Ariel, and I have nothing yep. to prove this other than my own suspicion, that I wonder if Brock Sunderland put him on the Nagelist to block another team, like maybe... Chris Jones of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders from signing Teal. I don't know. You that know, seems like something Jones might do. It was really interesting because when we asked Jones about Terrell, uh, Terrell Owens, he didn't seem like too. He didn't seem too interested, really. Like 
he's, he played it off rather nonchalant. I don't really know him. I don't know if he's got anything left in the tank. You know, he did go to my, they went to the same college. Um, so he kind of mentioned that, but uh, he, he didn't really sound too interested. But then I think Chris Jones is always kind of interested in these uh, reclamation projects from the M- NFL, isn't he? Or at least he seems to have been over the last couple of years. Well, what football coaches in general, and Chris Jones specifically, though, are that interested in revealing things to the media? I mean, they're the no, mo- and- look. They're, the the football uh, community has become the most paranoid of the sports we talk about the most. And if you want to talk about the big four. The big four leagues plus the CFL. I mean, I think the NFL and the CFL have the most paranoid and least talkative coaches when they when they feel like shutting it down. Yeah, why do you think that is? Do you think it's because a lot of them used to be players and the players have a hesitancy around the media a little bit to open up and 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 they're, so they're just always skeptical? Or I, I've been trying to want, I've been wondering why that is as well. I, I, my theory is, it, 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 I mean, football teams are large, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I always say you got around 60 players, and I think I can use that as a generalization for either league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the NFL has you know, a few more guys who can be active for a game. And I think just football is so regimented that coaches have to make sure everything is on point. They don't want to show too much personality because they don't want the one player out of 60 going off and getting out of control and, and you know, affecting other guys. And I, and I just think it's that whole, I don't want to give away any little detail about the game plan or something that could be tipped off. I, I think that's where it all comes from, mm-hmm. though we all know I always think most teams know what the other teams are going to do, play calling-wise. It just comes down to execution. But that paranoia still exists. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that, too, because I I feel like Chris Jones himself is rather close, but he allows his players to actually be quite loose and quite open. I've never really felt like the players have ever felt uh, muffled or that they're ever really that silenced. One of the things I actually really like about being in the locker room is that the players are allowed to be themselves. I mean, there's no greater, I would say, example of that than Deron Carter. I mean, Chris Jones just kind of lets Deron be Deron, and, and, and that's what... I think is what what Duran loves so much about playing in Saskatchewan is that no one's trying to change him or his personality. And I think that kind of goes across the board. Chris Jones just kind of lets them um, be who they are. And I've never come across an instance where someone has opened up to me and then later I, they've, clo- they've felt closed off. So um, that's actually one thing I've actually really appreciated about Chris Jones and the way he treats his players. Well, and that's an interesting too because his mentality, and, and you know this and we know it from here, I mean, Jones's mentality was try to score on every play, which is impossible, mm-hmm. but he but he tries to create that mentality. The interesting me f- thing for me, Ariel, and we'll tie this into last night's game, he does it more on defense and special teams. It seems like it's it's just amazing to me. Uh, now they went out and got Claros this year, and, and unfortunately mm-hmm. he got hurt. That they've been really successful since about the midway point of last year. With a with a rotating quarterback situation, like how are they doing it? How did they win that game last night? I think that it worked really well last year with Kevin Glenn and Brandon Bridge because Kevin Glenn is Kevin Glenn, and he was really able to help Brandon. He knew he knows the game so well, he knows the offense so well, he sees defenses so well. It worked really, really well in that veteran kind of newer quarterback situation. I don't think it's going to work, and it hasn't really been working with the exception of last night. But they really left Brandon Bridge in for most for the whole second half in that sense. So I, I would say that that's also a bad example. I don't think it works too well because both of these quarterbacks are too new. I think Chris Jones is a little bit selfish when it comes to the defense and that he wants 
you know, he has his expectations. He wants the defense to be the best it can be. And sometimes I think, and we're seeing this in maybe the quarterback rotation, but also with Deron Carter is to the detriment of his offense. Well, you you brought it up again with Deron Carter, and yeah. <laughs> like you're around the team. Is Deron first? Like, is Deron happy? Like, I I've heard all the fan stuff. We we played one of those crazy phone calls to to another Regina radio station a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago that that I think is going to go down as being legendary in in post game phone calls. It, but like, is Deron Carter like really happy playing defense? Do you think? comes and goes in waves like sometimes I think you know he's totally fine with it and sometimes I think like after the game in Ottawa I felt like he really wanted to get back in offense but I I also wonder if it's because he got lit up a little bit and it's it's never really that fun to not be good at what you're doing especially when you're Deron Carter and you're so good at offense and you're you're winning those matchups all the time I think the last couple of weeks against Hamilton they've given him a more fair matchup uh, against Terrence, he was up against Terrence Tolliver, um, and he he had a lot more success in the position, and so I think he's kind of gone back to being okay with it. That was always one thing that I always questioned about Chris Jones. Like, fine, if you if, if your decision is that you want to make Deron Carter a defensive back, whatever, that's your decision. You're the head coach, but why are you putting him in a position where that's the position he would tr- traditionally play? It's usually your most dynamic playmakers in that spot. Why not put him on the other side of the field where there's going to be a little less ball action, a little less chance for him to get beat? That was something that I never really understood and something that they corrected really these last two games against Hamilton by by putting him on the wide side of the field. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point that you point out that tweak for sure. Ariel Zer joining us on Inside Sports tonight covers the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for uh, CJME Radio in Regina. Okay, so I mean they're they're three and two. I I don't think a lot of people saw the sweep of Hamilton coming. It was the the extended home and home because both teams had the bye in the middle. I, I I think I saw one of the Riders players tweet out after the game the image of the picks by the experts on cfl.ca and everybody had picked hamilton so there's a little there's a little in your face they get fiery about that sort of thing these guys especially the defense yeah they do they they oh we don't pay attention to it but they're most of them are paying attention to it so like where where do you see because i read that text before you came on about bc and b Mm -hmm. i think bc's flat out better with lule i don't know if they're good enough to make the playoffs in the west but where does it go here for Saskatchewan? Like nothing wrong with being three and two. Uh, you know they got a big game coming up up against Edmonton, and, and I was I actually picked Saskatchewan to win the Grey Cup, but Kalaros was healthy when I made that pick. Mm. But I, I you know I have uh, Jones is an interesting guy, but his teams generally get better as the year goes on, and, and he's a pretty clever defensive schemer. Uh, what has to happen, you know, what would, a, a month from now, what would have to happen for you to say the Riders actually uh, improved and look like a, a contending championship team? I think we need to see more of what we saw in the game last night in the second half of that game, and, and I hope uh, that this was kind of a breakthrough for Brandon Bridge because I knew all along all he needed was a little bit of confidence. Confidence from his coach, confidence in his play, the ability to score and move the football, and he would get rolling. He's a feel guy. He's a confidence guy. And so as soon as they, the offense started scoring like they did, the big pen handoff, he threw the touchdown to Neiman Roosevelt, he was able to keep rolling. And so I'm hoping that 
you know, Brandon Bridge is going to be able to keep kind of rolling that forward. I think everyone kind of roots a little bit for Brandon Bridge, the Canadian quarterback uh, in the in the Canadian Football League. So, um, Brand, it's got to be Brandon Bridge keeps playing the way that he's playing, and and they put up some competitive games against Calgary and Edmonton. I'm not 100% sure if they're able to win those games. They're going to be really good measuring sticks, I think, for for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to see where they are actually at. Um, Or for Zach Caleros to come back, uh, though I wasn't, you know, too confident in his ability to command the offense at this point. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes, um, how well uh, Brendan Labatt recovers, um, if he's um, actually more significantly injured, injured than initially anticipated. That would have a big impact. The offensive line always does. But it seems like now that they've got the run game going, if they can keep that up as well, that takes some pressure off the quarterback. So I think really just more of what we saw in that second half of the game last night. Is there a targeted return for Kalaros? Um, well, he's on the sixth game, okay. but it's a concussion. So... It's really, um, it's really iffy. They don't really want to give, you know, they can't really give a timeline because, I, I mean, I've had a couple of concussions. I know, you know, I would seem good for a while and then all of a sudden I would have a big workout at the gym and I'd be laying in bed for another two days. So it's, uh, it, 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 there is no targeted comeback. Six games would be, I think, right after the bye week would be um, when he's eligible to come off. But as far as how he's doing and if he'll be able to make that target, who knows? Okay. Well, Ariel, thanks for pinch hitting tonight. This was great to get to talk to you. Thanks for the update on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They're, uh, they're always one of the, the most interesting teams in the league to follow, and uh, certainly with the Chris Jones connection to Edmonton, uh, they are for sure this year too. Thanks for checking in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll do this again. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. That is Ariel Zurf from CJME Radio in Regina. And yeah, watching that game last night at, at halftime, I mean, it looked, it looked bleak for the old green and white. They were down 17-7, and then they outscore Hamilton 24-3 in the second half. And as per the Chris Jones formula, they uh, get a, def- uh, a score on uh, special teams. Kristen Jones runs a punt back for a touchdown. Uh, they got a late fumble recovery to help put the game away. And, uh, yeah, they're, they, they, Chris Jones is just this ultimate find-a-way coach. His teams might have deficiencies. They might not always be the most exciting offensively, but he wins more than he loses. It is 6.48. We'll take a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 6.30 Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is 651 Inside Sports on 630. Chad, you can text 630-630. A story this afternoon, the the weather that has uh, passed through the Edmonton area and uh, moving to the northeast. Somebody just texted in, had the major system hit the Long Lake area, still lightning and thunder and heavy rain, uh, Long Lake uh, northeast of Edmonton near Boyle. So uh, definitely it's moving in that direction. So uh, be safe, watch the skies. I, I'm just trying to see, Kellen. Looks like we might have a little bit of sunshine here around 6.30, Chad. I think there could still be some more rain this evening. Yeah. Uh, if there is severe 
weather in your area. This goes for tonight or anytime. Of course, we do our best to keep you updated, but uh, a lot of times we rely on hearing from you as well. So remember, you can text 630-630. The phone number direct to our newsroom is 780-466-6397. That's 780-466-NEWS. Always appreciate the people who text in whatever the topic. Uh, Danny, the Riders fan, texting in. He says, hey, Reed, I'm a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan living in Edmonton. <laughs> He puts in brackets, please forgive me. <laughs> That's not know. up to me, Danny. That's not up to me. You'll have to ask the rest of the city to forgive you. Uh, but he says, I'm a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan living in Edmonton. Uh, I have changed my opinion on Chris Jones from idiot to genius. The problem is the opinion changes back and forth about six times every game. <laughs> that, is from, that is from Danny, the Rough Riders fan. Living in Edmonton. Well, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of Saskatchewan fans have uh, felt that way with him as the coach, and specifically in uh, in yesterday's game, which again looked did, didn't look very well for the Riders at halftime, and then they absolutely stormed past Hamilton in the second half. And uh, we'll go to ha- we'll get a Hamilton perspective in the next hour of the show. Rick Zamprin covers the team for CH- CHML Radio in Hamilton, one of our chorus stations, and he does the fifth quarter post-game show out there as well. You can always text 630-630. Thanks for that. 780-496-0063 is the open line number. Kellen, we've had a heck of a week on the show. It's been busy, man. We've uh, we've had some fun shows. We've had some... Uh, we've, we've talked hockey. We've talked football. We've talked basketball. Water skiing. Uh, we've talked... That's the, we've talked water skiing. We've talked uh, swimming. Talk to you 5440 drummer Matt Johnson. We had the from 5440 in the show. Matt Johnson. Uh, was uh, was on. That was pretty cool. And uh, Mike Johnson was in studio. The uh, Well, he's from Sherwood Park, went on to play in the big leagues, mostly with the Montreal Expos. Now he's uh, back in Edmonton doing some coaching. He uh, helps with the five-tool field house out in the West End, which is a, an outstanding baseball facility. We had a great chat with him on Wednesday night, and uh, he went into that, uh, that whole topic about uh, about different umps having different standards for the strike zones. Even that part of it was different because you had National League umpires and you had American League umpires. So if we're talking about like the strike zone and stuff, the one thing that I really enjoyed that was an aspect of the game that really isn't that really isn't involved anymore because they have that electronic strike zone that people get umpires get criticized for all yep. the time. Is not only as a pitcher did you have to know, or as a hitter did you have to know who you're facing, whether it was a hitter or whether, whether it was a pitcher, you had to know the umpire strike zone because there was guys that would give you something off, the, something off the plate. Like you remember when those great, great Braves teams were pitching and Maddox would just, I mean, if he got three inches off the plate, he'd try and get four. Right. He'd try and get five. And if he knew the right umpire, he would get it. And it's great when, I think the I think the Blue Jays, well, the Blue Jays' anniversary of their World Series was just a couple of years ago, and they were playing all those Braves, yeah. all those Braves and Blue Jays games, and, like, pitching staffs were unbelievable, and they had some really good hitters. And guys were getting calls off the plate, and you never saw hitters complain about it. And the reason they never complained about it is because their pitchers are getting the same calls. <laughs> right. Well, as now, I mean, the ball's, like, half an inch off the plate, and the umpire calls it a strike. Guys are complaining about it. But now it's justified because they're like, well, it's not on that. Because now they have that overlay on all the broadcasts. They go back and they look at video video replay because it's instantaneous and they can see, like, that ball's off. But for me, it kind of took away, like, the human aspect of it. 
That's some great stuff from Mike Johnson. He was on the show on Wednesday. And again, you can go to the 630Ched.com website, the Inside Sports page, and get the entire interview, all the audio from past shows. Kevin texting 630-630 says, the only sport you're missing this week is darts. Oh, Kevin, don't tempt us. We're going to try to get... While that clip was playing, I Googled Edmonton darts champion. Well, Kevin, challenge accepted. We're going to try to get a darts guest before the end of the show tonight. I, I can't guarantee it's going to happen, Kevin, but you've, you, you've, you've got me all excited about trying to find a darts guest. Friday night, we're going to get some competitive darts player on the show, Kellen. It's not Andrew Gross, is it? Uh, it it'll, it'll be a, a more renowned okay. darts player than Andrew Gross. Excellent. And uh, we may even give Kevin producer credit. Maybe. Well, we'll give him an idea. Suggest- he'll, he'll be like, story idea by, but you and I write the screenplay, Kellen. Okay. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.